Welcome to the show that's hosted by me. My name is Nick, and I've got beats and rhymes and wisdom and chimes of my mouth. That's right, my mouth is a chime unto itself. And I hope you're having a good chime today over here in the city of Tirano and Tiriu. Um, the snow is pouring down. I heard, if you're in Newfoundland, my heart goes out to you. I hear there is a lot of snow over there, too. And that's fine. I'm cool with uh, snow. But I hope you are, and I'm not actually cool with snow. The first thing I woke up today thinking was, oh... All the leaves are brown, and the skies are gray. I'm thinking California, because it's winter today. Yeah, that's right. Today's a goof around. That's what it is today. I'm not. The other day, I hope you liked my Jamie Loftus interview. Last week, Cassie Cow, thanks to everyone for listening. Really appreciate it. Uh, and today, I don't know, it's Saturday. I'm stuck inside, crawling up the walls, wearing sweatpants, but a button-up shirt. And uh, I just am here to talk to you. Let me tell you, this is what's going on in my day. Uh, by the way, if you want to support the podcast, uh, send me an email, say hi, tell me you love it, weeklypodcast at gmail.com, W-A- W-E-A-K-L-Y podcast at gmail.com You actually don't have to tell me you love it. Don't be harsh, but if you have any thoughts, just let me know if there's something you want to hear, something you want some support for, uh, ideas, let me know. And uh, you can also go to www.ko-fi.com slash Nick Flanagan. Look into that. That's a way to help me cover costs for the podcast and uh, put more and more time into doing this. And, uh, you know, decorating my room so that I'm inspired to do the podcast more. Here are words I would like to not say as much as I say on this podcast. Podcast? I'd like to not say podcast as much. It's one of the worst things about doing a podcast is that it's a podcast. Let's find a new, a new, new word for that. Also, Nick. I feel like I say my name a lot, and I don't love doing that either. So uh, this week, let's talk about this week. Week's almost over. want to talk about it. I went to the gym twice now. Today, maybe I'm going to go. Tomorrow, maybe I'm going to go. So if I can pull it off, I will be doing four days at the gym this week. Now that's what I'm talking about. So that's good. Do I like going to the gym? Kind of. In the winter, I don't really like changing shoes, which I'm going to have to do today if I decide to go. And tomorrow, too. And, uh, you know, the act of changing shoes, it's just not my bag. I mean, I want to just show up, take off my... Ideally, I'm showing up in exercise gear, leaving in the exercise gear, dealing with everything else here at my home. Scrubbing down, hosing down, wiping down, toning it, my, uh, looking at my toned body in the mirror. All things I want to do in my own space, on my own time. 
And uh, so, yeah, don't like that. Uh, I do like listening to fast music because I've listened to, like, podcasts or, you know, country before. If I'm doing 45 minutes on the elliptical, which, by the way, is all I'm doing, I gotta listen to some of that hip-hop. I want that BPM high. Uh, I also haven't taken my uh, ADD medication for a few days because... uh, a variety of reasons. It's so expensive. Oh my god. I know I talk about this a lot, but Canada has health care. It's great. If we lose an arm and we go to the hospital, they don't charge us an arm and a leg. Despite our faces. They don't cut off our nose despite our faces. But once you get into the medicine thing, you can get it cheaper, I'm sure. You apply with the government or something. But you know, they there are things that aren't covered. My mom has a arthritis medicine right now. It is not covered by uh, our insurance plan, nor her own. So, like, the country's insurance and her own. There is, like, it has to come out of pocket for her. Uh, yeah, so basically that medication is a little expensive. I'm finally going to buy it today, but, you know. So if I'm a little plastic fantastic today um that's why i actually am kind of liking my vibe without the faux quest these last couple of days so maybe i'll taper it off a little bit i don't know like i won't not take it i'll just like note if i need it or how long it lasts when i take it i don't i mean this feels like a dangerous thing to say i'm, I'm not saying do this with anything you ever need to take daily you know if I do eventually get off one of my other more regular pills, it's going to be really, really careful. This stuff, I, th- I think there's a bit more of a buffer because it, it's not really meant... It, it doesn't... It, it's basically as needed, ADHD medication. Um, there are people who take... I have a friend who would t- take Dexedrine when she just really needed it. And then there's people with the Foquest. I've been taking it every day. And, it, and that's been good, too. What's your style with your medication? Do you use it? weeklypodcast at gmail.com let me know um also maybe the exercise is helping a little bit they say that exercise can help again i say this all the the time it's probably not a solution the only solution but it's totally a good management technique and for some people it might be all they need isn't life fascinating? There's just so many different ways to go about it. You could live in the Yukon, in a communications tower, just ham radioing with everyone, never meeting a soul. Just learning about people through your World of Warcraft games. You could live with your mom, in a trillion dollar home in the middle of the greatest city in the world. Looking out the window, wondering where your cat is in the house. Or you could be on a Greenpeace boat, blowing up whalers with a Gatling gun. Or you could be working for Blackwater, blowing up Greenpeace protesters from a whaling boat as a hired mercenary. So many options, baby. 
friends. I, uh, trying to, I, you know, that two weeks in New York was very nice, you know? It was, uh, really good. The only thing was, it's just, do people have time to self-reflect in that city? Really? Because I, I did not. And we were there on a, a somewhat of a vacation. I never had one second where I was like, okay, here's the plan. Here's what I'm going to do. It was always like, okay, all right, here we are. Okay, uh, outside is scary, so let's steal ourselves from that. Where are we going to go? We can't just do anything too pointless today. There are too many people in the city for us to be walking in a relaxed fashion. So if you manage to sort of self-reflect, take a second to yourself in New York City, let me know how you do it. Weekly podcast digital call. The MoMA. That's where we went. The Museum of Modern Art. Got to change the name. They got stuff from like the 1800s in there. That's modern? What's next? You going to tell me the Victrola is a modern way of listening to music? I don't think so. But honestly, it was a uh, killer. I mean, I was like really into it. I love, you know, Art Gallery of of Ontario and uh, Private Galleries, uh, Night Gallery, my my friend Davida's gallery in um, Los Angeles. But to be that surrounded by that much classic art and new art is um, incredibly overwhelming. We also went on a Sunday and uh, there were just people everywhere. And well, it's again, it's that that same feeling I was describing in New York, where it's just like we're in there, and I, I'm just thinking, this is all great, but like, I'm not processing it right now. <laughs> I'm gonna have to take this back and develop these mental photos, and that's what I did. Like that night, I was like, oh my god, it's like great as Salvador Dali and Mark Rothko, you know, uh, Dorothea Tanning one of my favorites. And uh it was it was awesome, but it was not <laughs> I feel like to be in the moment in New York City is one of the most challenging things because once I enter that moment and I stay there, I'm just terrified at how many hands and feet are just in the city doing their thing, shaking each other or pitter-pattering. Uh, I know they talk about the pitter-patter of little feet, but Big feet, pitter-patter, too. Just wanted to put that out there. Uh, what else is going on? Enough about New York. Gets enough press. Let's talk about Eminem. Eminem put his album out. Surprise album. This is the new thing. Surprise albums. People go, Beyonce dropped a surprise album. Yeah. Is it a surprise? When a musician puts out an album... Doesn't sound like much of a surprise to me. Sounds normal. Sounds like what musicians do. But I listened to it. And I also listened to Kamikaze, which I think I, a very early episode of this album, of this podcast, was me discussing my reaction. So I thought, well, I'll talk about my reaction to Music to Murder by, which is a... Or is it be murdered by? Music to... Music to be murdered by. By Eminem. 
his new album, a tribute to the Alfred Hitchcock album of the same name, who I noticed in a tweet he referred to as the master, which is funny to picture Eminem, I don't know, watching North by Northwest. Uh, so this album, Music to be Murdered by, total extension of his deal now that he's done Kamikaze. Uh, so my take on what's happened with Eminem is because I, I really do feel like he's starting to like carve out a new lane for himself. I hope you're an Eminem fan or interested in Eminem if you're listening to this. I promise not to talk about this too long and I've got other things to talk about, but uh, I just think it's interesting. You know, Eminem is, is a very big artist <laughs> and he's one of the musicians and rappers like I always generally listen to do i like all of his choruses no do i like most of his choruses mm, probably i don't know not all the time sometimes the time is right but a lot of the time especially once he started employing these kind of evanescent style vo chorus vocals it just was was not for me yo i think he should collaborate with neil tennant from the Pet Shop Boys. I think that would bring about very interesting music. I'd like to hear a little Eminem Nick Cave. <laughs> the problem is, that is going to happen. Like, when Eminem discovers the song Red Right Hand, he'll probably just put out an entire album based around the song. Take a little walk to the edge of town. <laughs> well, my name's Eminem, and I'm here to say, you should take a little walk to the edge of town, right across the tracks. I can't imagine how much you like hearing me laugh while saying words. The new Eminem album, Music to be Murdered by, is part of a thing Eminem has created. The ciphers that he's done for BET have been this uh, continuous thing he's succeeded at. Uh, I mean, you go far back, they've always gone well. You know, even the Trump one, which was a little silly. But, you know, I, and if you're not familiar with this, it's like every time at the BET Awards, there's this, like, black and white freestyle, probably not really freestyle, like, cypher that happens. And it's a great display of a lot of different rapper skills. And Eminem tends to always be on it. And he always does really well. And uh, then, of course, the song Rap God is him rapping fast at, like, this insane pace and slowing down, speeding up. And that's kind of his style now. Is just, like, he's like a guy at the gym with big muscles who's just overdoing his regimen in the middle of the gym so everyone can see. You know, it's like... Uh, is there a point to it? I don't know. Does some of it really work? Yeah. Because it's just... He's really good. He's a really good rapper. And, uh... Do you like Ed Sheeran? He's on a song. Also, he's so... The, you know, I appreciate this thing. He's got this guy, Royce59. Now, Royce59 is from Detroit as well. I interviewed Royce59 years ago. He's a really talented rapper, and if you heard the song Bad Meets Evil, which is an early, early Eminem song, it's with Royce Five Nine, 
And at that point, they're really almost evenly matched skill-wise, you know, so it just, they just weave together so well. And uh, there was a period of um, disenchantment with each other or something. Royce had some kind of label problem. He put out this album, Death is Certain, which was a really solid album, and it was kind of airing out his problems with Eminem or whatever, but not in a disrespectful way. He's just being real. Anyway, so he's got... Eminem did an album with Royce 5'9 recently, and he's got Royce all over this record. Royce sounds great on this album. Royce was in Slaughterhouse, which was a, you know, group that Eminem organized. And uh, it's nice to see that he is supporting probably the most talented MC he's been involved with, you know, since... And, and a Detroit rapper, I always support a Detroit rapper getting a little bit of shine because I find that the... The sort of standard for rappers from Detroit is, like, very high. Like, even a regular-ass kind of bum rapper <laughs> from Detroit uh, sounds amazing. And, like, a rap- someone like Dejloaf is a great example. You know, she's just got her own style, you know, and she's from there, and she just, she just, she owns it. So, yeah, I don't know. This album is basically a mixture of like the show-off songs, uh, songs with like Juice World and Young M.A. and uh, Royce and uh, Anderson Pack, um, and then some songs that are just you know they got Ed Sheeran, these kind of big chorus, poppy chorus stuff that interests me a little less, but you know he's going for it. And then these songs that are just still about his ex-wife, Kim, or still about his mom, and gets a little bit over, you know, the material that he goes on about is, it's kind of been the same since uh, Eminem's show, since Marshall Mathers, really. So, um, I think with, like, new things added... So, you know, from his entire discography, you will get a full picture of Eminem's life. The point is, do we need a full picture of Eminem's life? I've got my own life to live. I feel like Eminem, I know more about Eminem than myself. I know about myself. But that's on me. And that is my first reaction to music to be murdered by by Eminem. What else happened? All right, we can talk about it. I got time. I also enjoyed uh, um, Flavor of Love this week. I've been back into. I'm watching three, season three of Flavor of Love. It's a pretty cool throwback back to a simpler time. Uh, in case you're too young to remember it, <laughs> Flavor of Love is uh show starring rapper hype man of public enemy flavor flav and it's about him finding love and uh, he didn't do it in season one he tried felt it didn't work out didn't pull it off in season two tried again didn't work out then there was a spin-off of the sort of 
runner-up, New York, who was a person with some issues. And uh, she was looking for love. I don't think that worked out either. And then season three. And uh, he was looking for love. And we're not finished it. So I don't know if he found love or not. I haven't Googled it. But uh, this show is so funny, so wrong, and so crazy that I personally haven't seen reality TV on this level of the recipe is right since then. Now, that's just maybe me, but Rock of Love and Flavor of Love, I'm down with. I'm even down with the Dr. Drew shows, even though they're, like, extra exploitative. Why? I don't know. I think because they're some weird combination of America and, and North America is, like, they're both the symptom and the illness <laughs> just in one show. Like, it's... Famous people who are so enmeshed in the culture of celebrity that the idea of going on TV to stay sober seems legit. (laughs) And at the same time, it's also a symptom of our need to watch. Like, seeing celebrities going through something somehow validates our own concerns. Does that make sense? So, yeah, flavor, but but flavor of love doesn't have any of that. I mean, they just let the addiction fly, <laughs> whether it's sex addiction because he's making out with like nine girls, you know, he's doing this sort of dating. If you dated all the people in one sorority house, and we're just making out with them in the same apartment, that's what he's pulling out. Non-monogamy. He's, but it's not Polly, and also there's twins. He de- who are in the mix on the show. Like, there's just so much that was happening between, like, 2000 and 2011 in our culture that is now being basically viewed in a hangover style. Like, oh, God. Oh, my God. There was a character named Beaver Cleavage on WWF, and his manager was his busty mother? What? The, what? You know... Uh, there was basically it all tracks back to wrestling in the WWF Attitude Era. That was when standards slid and they just remained that way for the next 11, 12, 13 years. They're still that way, but there's a veneer now of uh, moralizing. Everyone moralizes now. So, Kendall Jenner can have fake lips at 17 and her explanation for it is Oh, um, I just didn't want to tell people that I had fake lips because I didn't want to give a bad example. And it's like, okay, well, people are still seeing your lips and envying your lips. And then they think, oh, well, the one thing I could do is I could get surgery or blow them up or whatever people do to lips. Wax lips? Buy wax lips? I don't know. Whatever it is, the teens want to do it. They don't care. But she has to put this thing. Everyone's got a lie. It's cool. But yeah, Flavor of Love, real treat. Just go to season three. I already knew who won the other two, so just go straight to season three. I'll probably watch Rock of Love after. Tell you about it. 
And uh, I wanted to talk about anything happening in Canada, but I legitimately don't know. There's a snowstorm in Newfoundland. People still don't drive very well in Toronto. Uh, not sure what's going on in British Columbia. Tell me what's happening. If you're listening in another place in Canada, tell me what's happening. I want to know. And of course, the story for me this week was uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren having this like really stupid kind of overblown disagreement where uh, apparently Elizabeth Warren's camp leaked that she had been told by Bernie Sanders in a meeting in 2018 that he didn't think a woman would win the presidency, could win the presidency. And uh, this became a story. Liz, uh, Liz, Liz Warren... Uh, confirmed that this happened, but didn't want to elaborate in a statement. Then this was the day of a debate. It became a story during the debate. Sanders denied it, and then at the end, she didn't shake his hand and said, I think you just called me a liar on national television. And he said, can we, can we not do this now? Can we do this later, please? And uh, it sucks. It really sucks. I mean... This is skin of our teeth, or skin of their teeth, that the Democratic nominee is going to be someone with some major change ideas. And with any kind of dissent or dissension, division, uh, it just weakens the whole thing. And I, I, I get the sense from what I know about Elizabeth Warren and her decisions, um the fact that she was a Republican for many years. I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying that she had a long period of basically unknowingly going against her values, the values that she holds now. She was not there for a long time. And the Native American DNA thing was just like a mess. I don't know... I get, I really get the logic of it. When people are being, criticizing you and you think you have to step up and show them that you're all right, that you're fine, they still make fun of you. Gotta just ignore them. You know? She's, but instead she's just like, I didn't even follow it, but it's like, you basically aren't gonna win anyone over by saying, I did 23 in me. But I'm dubious anyway. I mean, I, st- I actually think this isn't really going to affect Bernie Sanders' popularity, but it's, it just is making people have be more angry with Elizabeth Warren. And it is making some Elizabeth Warren supporters probably angrier at Bernie Sanders, but I think the people who would be still wouldn't want anything to do with Bernie Sanders. I mean, that, that's, if he does get the nomination, that's going to be the test of America. It's going to be something where suddenly you go, wow, a lot of people are supporting Bernie Sanders versus what could happen, which is something like when George McGovern ran in 1972. And it's like, oh, actually, no one in America is ready for this. And that is my big fear because Americans are entrepreneurs. I think Americans support. There is a portion that support what Donald Trump does, 
which is basically taking advantage of loopholes and making money through what one could call savvy, market savvy. And I think that people don't have that much of a problem with that. Not everyone does, at least. And, and we'll find out if the sort of love of industry, love of, quote, entrepreneurship, uh, love, uh, and the fact is, like, it's so unaffordable to live in, in most countries that the amount of tax-free, under-the-table work, you know, hiding your money, this is not irregular. This is what people are doing. So it's not everybody, like I said, but it, it it's widespread. And, and so, you know, trying to take someone to task for something that is what a lot of people do to survive, including immigrants, uh, you know, how many cash-only places do you go to in, like, Chinatown? Like, it's... In, in Toronto, it's a lot. And that's great. Because that's what I can afford. You know what I mean? It's reciprocal. So, I don't know. Like, this is the question. Is, is Are people prepared for a major change? And major hope? <laughs> it's like Obama, but major. I'm so embarrassed. I want to talk so much about Canada. I guess I should shout out, and not America, but, like, let's face it, the U.S. presidential race is pretty important, at least in North America. Anyway, Neil Peart died. Shout out to that man. Neil Peart, the drummer from Rush. A very technically proficient man. A very specific kind of person. Kind of a grouch. Horrible tragedy in his life. With his... uh Wife and daughter passing away. Then he went on a motorcycle trip. Unless it was Alex Lifeson. Oh, God. What if I'm getting that wrong? Yo, I got it. Someone subscribed to me on YouTube. Thank you, Cloudy. Alex Lifeson tragedy. I love Googling just things like those words. Alex Lifeson tragedy. No, Neil Pert. Yeah, it, he he did have his his daughters. His daughter and his wife died, and he went on a motorcycle trip, and then he got brain cancer, and he died at sixty-seven. So, great drummer, Rush. Great band. I like them, and uh, he wrote the lyrics for Rush, and those are the weirdest lyrics you'll ever hear. I've been told they're very influenced by On Rand. And I have a friend who's, I don't know if she's left-wing, but she's pretty progressive. She's been for a very long time, and she was someone who recommended I re read The Fountainhead a while ago. I, so I put on The Fountainhead. Back then we didn't have Kindles. So I just bought a book, opened it up. And the first hundred pages, I just was like, I hate this book. I hate the allegory or the symbolism of, of what she's trying to do. And then my friend was like, you know what, just read it like it's science fiction or something. And I did, and then I enjoyed it. And uh, Neil Peart, I guess, enjoyed it, and then made a bunch of lyrics that were about it. Indi rugged individualism. But, you know, congrats for him. Not everyone can drum and write lyrics. R.I.P. Neil Peart. Pour out a little... Uh, 
you know, base licks for you. Well, folks, now that I've ended on a morose memorial, just to squeeze in anything Canadian into the podcast, I'm going to leave you be. Thank you so much for listening. I'm feeling good right now. I kind of like it when it's snowing outside because I go, oh, I, I don't need to be out there doing anything. Unfortunately, I actually am going to go out and do an errand now, so if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go buy some bubble bath. Enjoy yourself, stay warm, stay cool. Patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan, Kofi.com slash Nick Flanagan. I blocked Twitter on my desktop computer today, so congratulations. Nick. You are loved. Flanagan. Weekly. Nick. Flanagan Weekly.